1: And welcome to another episode of La Dame and Latte. It's been another crazy busy week of having zero idea how I feel my day. But yesterday I was so busy doing something that I only watched five episodes of Grey's Anatomy, which is wild. But being so busy, I've actually had no luck with my get rich quick endeavors. However, I have put a long-term strategy in place to take hold in the background while I work on the quick option. Instead of playing my child nursery rhymes and child content, we've been listening to adult audiobooks. This week, it's Where the Crawl Dad Sing, which, side note, is excellent. So the plan is that she picks up the adult language, becomes extremely intelligent, gets a really good job, and subsequently rich and supports me. Stay on the podcast, it feels like there's a new brand of social pressure that comes with ISO season, like learn a language, take up a hobby, do an online course. So I asked you in the Facebook group, La Almond Latte Podcast, what you've actually been doing to stay entertained. Then I review the movie that made every girl want a silk yellow dress, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. And of course, I'll leave you with a life changer. When this ISO season started, I was overwhelmed with a new type of social pressure. Usually it's the tangible pressures of wear this, eat this, go here, buy this teeth whitening kit from this D-grade ex-bachelor contestant. But then the plague hit and all of a sudden you just now have so much time for new activities like learn a language, take up a hobby, visit a virtual museum, do an online IT course, read 498 books a week relax. And yes, Gwyneth, I'm looking at you, but it felt like even more pressure than before. And after a while, I was like, maybe I haven't done those things before because I just didn't want to. Like I could learn a language or read a book on my way to and from work. I could knit in front of Netflix every night. And you know what? If I didn't pick up French from six years of school, then immersing myself in French culture with a few Euro trips... I don't think I'm going to pick it up sitting at home for a few months. Plus, it feels like this double barrel. Like Everyone knows we're working, but we're still getting pressured to do other things. If you're at home working, you don't have time to do other things. Plus, if you've got kids and you're at home, you're basically doing two jobs at once. So, you... Are like double working and have even less time for leisure by my calculations. It's just a different kind of unachievable pressures. So, fans, once again, I put the question to you to see what you are doing during this ISO season and to see if, in fact, you now are fluent in Dutch. And I Just like I did last week, I'm just going to drop your names like we're all friends. And you know what? You're not giving in to these unachievable pressures. You're just all extreme versions of yourselves, molding normal activities to fit your new lifestyle or participating in your regular activities to a very heightened degree several times a day. Kind of feels like you're on a lot of drugs and, you know, no judgment if that's an essential service for you. I just hope the deal is done keeping social distancing measures in mind unsurprisingly, we are binging so much content. I don't think my Netflix even asks me if I'm still watching anymore. It's just a given. Although I wouldn't mind if it did remind me and mixed up the messages like it's time to brush your teeth or time for second breakfast. You can start drinking now. Like a little alarm that would break up the binge. That would be really helpful because for me, binging TV shows is a very slippery slope. I get super disillusioned to the point where I'm so immersed in the TV show, I think that I'm in it and the characters are real. Like, I'm watching Grey's Anatomy at the moment, and this morning on the news, it showed the COVID cases in Washington, and they're really high. And my first thought was, oh, the doctors at Seattle Grace must be working so hard. And I was like, oh my God, it's not a real hospital. But that's like, during my peak disillusionment, I was growing up watching the OC, Laguna Beach and my super sweet 16th. And I was so obsessed. I basically thought I was a rich Californian teenager. I wanted to be Kristen so bad. So for my 18th birthday, I was like, I need to throw the best 18th, have like a super sick DJ, a dress from Rosmond, and obviously I'll be getting a Jeep from my parents, and my parents were like, uh, you can have your birthday at a pub, we'll buy you a Wayne Cooper dress from Maya, and you can drive your mum's Hyundai XL until you save enough money from your part-time job at Jetty Surf to buy your own second-hand car. The comedown from that reality hitting was so tough, as you can imagine, so since then I've made a really conscious effort to avoid believing I'm actually part of TV shows, But I mean, there's so much Real Housewives, it's basically impossible to avoid that. And you know, I want to be a Real Housewife so bad, like being rich, and not working is the dream. But through my endeavors to get rich, I've realized that the only way I'm ever going to get rich is if I work super hard, which is so annoying. So I don't know, maybe I need to start binging on Breaking Bad or even Ozark so I can find some new ways to make this happen. I mean, even if it's a little bit dangerous, it'd be worth it in the end, right? I'd have this super nice house in Beverly Hills with a pool, like a personal trainer, a personal chef, All the Botox I could ever need and my best friend would be Lisa Vanderpump. Worth it, I say. We don't want to start a hobby so bad we've even amped up the cleaning schedule. Well, you have. I have someone I pay for that. No, obviously I don't. That's just the Real Housewives disillusion coming through. But you are all over 30 because it's the fun cleaning. It's the Dyson's getting a workout. I'm pretty confident that none of us are cleaning the inside of our ovens, let's be honest. Polina has gone next level with the Dyson's. Obviously, she hasn't lost her job this ISO season because she has purchased a $1,200 Dyson. That is like a V12 or a V13. I can't even imagine the level of cleanliness that achieves. I'm so jealous and that is so sad. Lucy obviously was inspired by last week's episode and has purchased her very first tracksuit to clean in. Congratulations. Welcome to comfort town. There's no looking back from here. Or I don't know, maybe she just has really good targeted ads and is influenced by advertising like I am. But honestly, we're doing so much cleaning and it's kind of bittersweet because nobody's going to see our shiny houses or lickable floors. It's clear we really don't want to try new things. Instead of doing that, we're just doing what we know, bigger, weirder, and on repeat. We're eating 34 meals a day instead of three, drinking a bottle of wine instead of a glass. But we need to consume all those extra calories for our hectic Netflix and cleaning schedules, right? But our friend Laura has really taken Not Grown to Cafes to a whole new level and to be honest, I feel like she needs an intervention. Instead of getting a coffee machine or getting takeaway, she's excessively consuming bogan dust instead. And my friends, if you are not familiar with bogan dust, it's Cafe. And I know self-isolation is really important, but so is drinking coffee of a certain standard when you live in Melbourne. Whether it's a coffee machine or a takeaway, it's essential. Actually, it's it's essential that you no longer drink Nescafe. Please stop. May is also doing things on repeat, but this one, it's something I don't even do one time a day or one time a week, not even once a month at this point. She's reapplying makeup five times a day and kudos to you for doing that. I feel like you're going to come out of this and be one of those people that can totally transform your face into other characters. And I feel like there's just money to be made in that. See, all I can think about is making money now. Uh, then we've also got the few rare species in this world who don't sloth a Netflix session, like Sarah, who is working out two to three times a day to fill in the time. And honestly, i I'd rather watch someone work out two to three times a day than actually participate myself. And I can't comprehend this mindset, but I'm so jealous. I wish I thought that way. So I'm thinking maybe when all this is over, I could get hypnotized to exercise when I'm bored, like people hypnotized to quit smoking. I could get hypnotized to work out excessively. I feel like my life would really benefit from that. So fans, I know I only had a few lines in the comment section of our Facebook group to go off, but it feels like we're not giving in to these unrealistic social pressures of broadening our cultural horizons and skill bases during this time because it's a pandemic, not a productivity challenge. It feels like we're all just living our best lives amplified. It's the movie that made you desperately want to get an internship at Cosmo and wear a yellow gold dress to your formal. The 2003 Influencer of the Year, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. We open on our main girl, Andy, Kate Hudson, complaining about working at Composure. How ungrateful. Does she not know it's every girl's dream to work at Cosmo? I mean composure. She wants to write about things she cares about, like foreign affairs and politics. Okay, I know, like, don't judge a book by its cover, but this girl does not care about foreign affairs or politics. I'm going to keep track of any mention of political events or foreign affairs throughout the movie. I I bet you there's zero. Oh, Andy's hair is already stressing me out. It is so damaged. It's like she's been ironing it every day with a clothes iron. And here's Ben. He's riding a motorcycle and now he's topless in his office, which tells us he's hot. But honestly, is Matthew McConaughey still a serious actor? Because it is such a waste. He is the undisputed rom-com king. And honestly, name me someone that even comes close. You cannot, I need him to retake his throne, even if he is like sixty eight now, okay, stop, Aunt is in a pitch meeting at composure, and there's a girl with chopsticks in her hair. I actually had to pause and admire them because I feel like you can't do that anymore. It would be cultural appropriation. Ugh. Andy is banging on again about wanting to write about foreign affairs and politics. Her boss is like, no, you work at Composure. No stories with depth allowed. Andy, come on. Go and work at the BBC if you want to write about that. Then Andy has a brainwave. Inspired by her friend Michelle, who can't keep a guy, she pictures writing a story about dating do nots. How to lose a guy in 10 days. Downstairs after the meeting, the editor of Composure introduces Andy and her sidekicks to two girls from an advertising agency. The editor is so excited about Andy's upcoming story that she tells the girls. The editor and the girls are then going to discuss some collabs between Composure and the ad agency's new Diamond client. This stresses me out because it would absolutely never happen. The Diamond's media agency would be discussing this with a sales rep from the magazine, not the editor. I have so many issues with the accurate portrayal of advertising and media in this movie, and you're going to have to deal with me explaining how wrong it is ironically, I think it's actually this movie that made me go into advertising in the first place because my life is 100% influenced by TV and movies. We're at drinks now at the most overcrowded fancy bar. Nobody can move and it looks stupid. But right now, this scene is basically porn for the whole world. Who would have thought? I actually miss being smushed up against random people at a bar. Anyway, Ben has crashed a meeting. He's trying to steal a client from another creative team within his agency. The client is the Diamond People and the creative team of the girls we met at Composure. So this would be like a lawyer stealing a client from another lawyer at the same firm, or a doctor stealing a patient from another doctor in the same hospital. It's a really shit thing to do. But also, I guess pretty true to life for a hotshot male creative director, I can guarantee this character was based on an actual Madison Avenue creative. Like for reference, a creative director is is Don Draper. He he was also based on a real creative director. Ben is just what they look like in 2003. So anyway, Ben is swinging his dick around and beating his chest like, I should be on this pitch. I'm the best salesman you've got. Blah, blah, blah. While he's banging on, the girls spot Andy at the bar. And what are the odds? Of all the places in New York, they're at the same bar. So knowing about Andy's upcoming story, they're like, okay, Ben, if you can make a girl fall in love with you by the party we're co-hosting with the Diamond People in 10 days, you can have the pitch. Sorry, this is a pitch. They don't have the account. Why are they co-hosting a party with the Diamond People? That feels unethical. But anyway, the boss agrees. What? This is going to be your biggest client bringing in $60 million a year. And you're going to select the creatives based on a bet. <laughs> okay. So anyway, Andy and Ben start flirting and the chemistry is like TNT. Explosive. Honestly, I wonder if they ever banged in real life. Surely. I want to see the video, kind of, definitely. They exchange pleasantries over Lobster, and he's like, oh, you work at the fastest-growing woman's mag in the country. (laughs) Lol, if they only knew. But honestly, the confidence of both of these people is next level. Eating lobster on a first date with your hands is one thing, but she thinks that she can act like a one-woman homage to the exorcist and keep him around for 10 days, and he thinks he can make a woman fall in love with him in a week and a half. The hubris of Both of these people. So anyway, they go back to his house and then she accidentally on purpose leaves her Cab 55 purse at his house, including her credit cards, her real credit cards. Sorry, but nobody that is serious about foreign affairs and politics would purposely leave their credit cards at a total stranger's house. Anyway, the purse also has Nick's playoff tickets in there. So there's the second day because Ben loves sport. Day two, Ruin sports. They go to the Knicks game and it's all fun until Andy makes him go and get a soda with one minute left and he misses the end. Day three, she makes him watch Chick Clicks. They're at the movies and she's being super annoying and clicky and talking really loud in the film and accusing him of thinking about other girls. Then she gets him knocked out by a huge guy, which for mine is a little bit too far. Like, not okay. Day four, bring out the food and body issues. He has her over for dinner to watch the basketball and Andy really hits the accelerator at this point. She litters his apartment with old lady things like doilies and teddies and then gives him a love fern. He cooks lamb and she's like, I don't eat meat. Mary had a little lamb, which is genius for mine. So then they have to go out and eat, and she sneaks out the back to watch the next game, but not before she tells the whole restaurant that her boyfriend thinks she's fat. And I know that she is totally pretending, and he totally deserves to be brought down about 285 rungs, but at this point, she is literally the worst person. I cannot stand her, and I am 100% Team Ben. Day five, bring a pet into the relationship. At this point, Andy has crossed the line and I'm 100% done. She gets them a dog and Andy, dogs are for life. You know very well this isn't going to last. You don't know this man. You don't know what he's going to do with the dog after the 10 days. It is so irresponsible of you. But the dog is covered in bling. So then Andy accidentally gives Ben the slogan for the diamond campaign. Frost yourself. It is awful, and the women of New York agree. Ben goes and tells his boss, and the boss yells out the window, "'Women of New York, frost yourself!' And in return, a woman yells, "'Get fucked!' Yeah, deserved. And then he's like, "'Well, I like it. "'Well, that's great, but you're a middle-aged white man. "'You are not your customer. Ugh, "'Somebody please tell these diamond people to go and get another agency. "'Then this would just all be over.'" Anyway, that night, Andy makes them an album of their future family together, and the craftsmanship is top notch. This was pre-Photoshop, I assume, and it would have taken hours. So basically, she got paid at work to scrapbook. Kudos. That night, they go to a Celine Dion concert, and I'm confused about this. I'm not sure why it's a bad thing for mine. That's a deal maker. Day six, Crash Boys Night. So Andy crashes poker night and takes all the pizza out of their mouths and replaces it with cucumber sandwiches. But, oh, my God, the love fern is dead. After two days, it is a special kind of apartment lacking any sunlight or oxygen that kills a plant in only two days. So at this point, I'm just imagining that his apartment smells like B.O. and lynx. Anyway, Ben tells Andy that she is acting insane, Finally, but then he tells the dog to shut up and I feel like I need to call the RSPCA and get that poor doggo rescued ASAP. Andy thinks she's done and she's out, but then Ben is like, okay, let's do couples therapy. Day seven, couples therapy. It's decided in this session where the counsellor is really one of Andy's sidekicks that they're going to go to Staten Island to meet his family and that will make things better. Day eight, meet the family. Oh, no. These people are genuine good Southern folk, pure of heart. They don't deserve to be stuck in the middle of all of this, and Andy is overcome with guilt. She loves this family. His mum hugs her and she really felt hugs. She plays cards with them and they have such a fun time together playing bullshit. Side note, bullshit is a great game. Highly recommend during this ISO season. Okay, cut to a montage. They go on a date with some country song playing over the top, which tells us now they're actually like really falling in love. So they get back to his parents' house and make out in the bathroom while the shower is running the whole time. Like, it's just running while they're making out, just wasting water. I can't even concentrate on them making out while they're wasting all of that water. So then they shower together. So imagine that you bring your significant other back to your parents' family home after knowing her for seven days and your whole extended family is there. And then you just bang in the bathroom while they're all playing cards in the lounge room. Totally orcs. Anyway, if you weren't convinced that they're in love yet, then there's another country song that plays over the top of them while they're on the ferry back to New York cuddling. Uh Uh-oh, they're both clearly in love, but they've got themselves into such a pickle. This is going to end in disaster. Day 10, sing You're So Vain. But hang on, yesterday was day 8. What? And I was being generous, assuming that the Staten Island trip was the day after counselling. There is definitely a day missing, but maths is not my strong point, so I'm not going to simmer on it. Okay, it's the night of the big diamond party. So Andy went back to work that day, which means this party is on a Monday night. It's the event of the year. How could it be on a Monday night? Maybe the diamond people could only afford Monday because they're spending $60 million on advertising. That doesn't even include media. Anyway, Ben's boss talks to Andy and he can tell by the look on her face, she is 100% in love with Ben. He's on the pitch. The girl creative team are filthy about this, so they tell Ben's sidekicks about the bet who tell Andy, she's Devo. At the same time, Andy's boss is telling Ben about Andy's how-to article without knowing he's the guy, but then he realizes he's the guy and he's Devo. Devo. Andy has like one drink, absolute toucan, and she gets up on stage, takes the microphone and is like, Ben's prepared a song for Mrs. Diamond Lady. And I think she's trying to embarrass him. But remember the confidence of these people. He is absolutely going to pull it off, obviously. Then he gets up and he's like, actually, we're going to sing a duet. And they get angry, drunk, singing, flirting, and you just want them to like kiss, but they don't. And all the things that he brings up that she did. He brings up the Celine Dion concert. Like, the one good thing that she actually did. I'm... I'm baffled. Of course, Mrs. Diamond Lady frothed the performance, maybe because he's a babe, not because of what they were actually singing about. They're definitely going to get the account, though. So that's that's one positive of the evening. So then she, like, runs away. And next day, Andy writes a great story. So now she thinks she's going to be able to write about politics, economics, or poverty. And I can confirm that, no, she did not mention once any of those topics of interest to Ben. But her boss is like, no, you still can't write about those things. So she quits. Ben is shooting the Diamond ad on the other side of the city, and I think they've used approximately $3.45 from that $60 million budget to make this. It's literally Mrs. Diamond Lady in front of a green screen saying, Brast yourself. One of Ben's sidekicks gives him Andy's article to read, but like as if with an ego his size, he didn't get a copy as soon as it hit newsstands. It says, I've lost the only guy I ever fell for. So he's like, wow, she really does love me. And he rushes to her work, but she's already left for her interview in Washington. And all she left behind was their dead love fern. So classic rom-com styles. He takes the love fern and chases her to the airport on his motorbike. Sexy. He catches her on the bridge and they pull over in the middle of the bridge. So safe. She's like, Washington is the only place I can go and write what I want to write. And he's like, bullshit. You can write anywhere. I think you're running away. And she's like, did you say bullshit? The name of the game we played at your parents' house when we fell in love? Are you calling my bluff? Then they make out the end. So what do I rate this out of 10? Well, the soundtrack was truly awful. Like some 2003 bangers that could have been included in this movie are Right thorough, Miss Independent, Crazy in Love. So it loses a few points for being full of no-name songs. Ovi, except You're So Vain. But it's also a classic for the ages. So 7.5 out of 10. And now it's time for our life changer, which this week is in relation to our movie. The role of Andy was originally meant to be played by Gwyneth Paltrow. Thank God she shot View from the Top instead. Thanks for listening to Large Armand Latte. If you loved the podcast, you can subscribe on Apple and give us five stars if you're feeling super generous, or follow us on Spotify. You can join the low involvement discussion by following us on Instagram at Large Armand Latte Podcast, or join the Facebook group at Large Armand Latte Podcast.